knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Shooter, big button. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. There is no intro, so you guys would be very thankful for that. But uh, we are going to start back off with uh, where we left off with two members from uh, Team WCB. What's up, guys? Hi. What's going on, fellas? Welcome back. I feel like we were just doing this. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was just seconds ago we were we were talking about being on Team Work Class Bowhunter. I like, like. I don't I, listen. You guys, I, you didn't even change your fucking clothes. Thanks. Thanks. I see how important that we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like where, where we had left off, we were talking about uh, Damien's bear hunt, man. And well, it, was, it was Clay and I's bear hunt. It turned right. out. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it was his. I know it was. I know it, it was, was, it was mine. So no, uh, talk about. I'm going to interrupt you and just cover it all up because I had just found out that my cholesterol was 440, and I had went on a diet. So go across the country where there's only choking pukes to eat at <laughs> and try and find something that's cholesterol conscious. Especially so when you know nothing about what's cholesterol conscious. Right. I'm eating pine <laughs> cones taking, and basketball. taking and dieting advice from, from waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pine cones and badger balls in West Virginia. That was basically my diet. So not only was I on vacation – staring at the side of the hill i might as well have been like okay dude eh, eh, eh. alarm goes off in the morning i wake up i damien leaves and i just shut myself in the fucking closet of the hotel room <laughs> and you're in west virginia where all they eat is fucking biscuits and gravy yeah pretty much oh. it uh I, I liked west virginia it was neat I yeah liked. he was obsessed with west virginia actually that's the first time for that's the furthest east you've ever been right uh, I went. I, I drove through West Virginia on the way to South Carolina once, or, or okay. North Carolina. I don't know, one of those. But we were there. Like the 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 fall foliage was like peaking while we were there, and like it was. And it's it's dead nuts center of the state, West Virginia. This isn't just like over the Ohio border. This is where my dad grew up, and it is smack dab in the middle, in the heart of wrong turn, West Virginia. Yeah, it, uh, and it's, it's it's my kind of people, the kind of people you drive up in their driveway and they walk out and they they're gonna eat like that's my kind of place. <laughs> mutants, we call them mountain mutants. Mountain mutants. Yeah. So so we we go to to my new friend Brad's house. That's who's helping us, and 
I, this is not a joke. Like we rolled up and seven meet us and, and, and I run in the house to use a bathroom and six more met me when I opened the door <laughs> inside. Dude had some dogs. And a pot-bellied pig. Oh, and a pot-bellied pig. <laughs> oh, God. What's his name? Sherman. Sherman. Sherman, yeah. So we go down anyway, and uh, the day before we get there, there's like a 350-pound bear standing broad daylight in the saddle that uh, we were going to stick clay in because that was having the most bear activity, just bears passing through there. And uh, unfortunately – that was the last bear to come through there for the next, what, five days <laughs> that you were there? Yep. There still weren't bears through there after that. Yeah. And I, I wasn't going to hunt. I just I wanted Clay to have full opportunity at all the places. And it, Clay was pretty insistent that I hunted. And, you know, he wanted us to hunt, you know. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take uh, the least active area and uh, leave you the rest for you if you decide to jump around. But he didn't want to jump around because that big bear was passing through there like every – he would show up, he'd be gone for three days, he would show up, he'd be gone for three days, and we he just felt like it was just a matter of time. So he And that was the biggest bear on, on any cameras that were showing up. So um, – he elected to, to gut it out there. And honestly, I would have done the same thing had I been there hunting on my own. Um, so I was hunting the spot and we're, we're kind of razzing my, my cousin Bradley a little bit about it because, you know, he's like, Oh, the, the red Oaks are, are dropping, but they, they're bitter. They got too much tannin in them. They're just bitter. The bears don't eat them. I'm like, they're acorns. They, they're going to eat acorns. <laughs> and there it is so, again. <laughs> so Clay, Clay Googles it, <laughs> like the number one food. I didn't have bears. anything else to do. I just sat there on my phone all day with battery banks recharging it over and over because I'm just sitting there doing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and it comes up that red oak acorns are like they're one of their favorite foods. So my cousin's still in like denial, but like we get there as the acorns are pouring down. And the bear activity just dried up, right? And, and he's so. – he, we can't be too hard. He's a great host. Like, yes, 100%. this guy worked his butt off all spring. I'm still going to give him shit the next time I text him. Yeah, but that's yeah, 100%. We, 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 we got to make a note here. I really like Bradley. I just – we, we just – Like the rat. Yeah. So, um, we're – and we're – Clay and I is probably three quarters of a mile apart, something like that. And uh, we got a three-way group text going. And uh, we're, we're, we're busting on Brad pretty good. So I'm sitting there, and it just stopped raining. And I'm standing up, and I'm in a climbing stand. And I'm texting them, and I hit send. And I look to my left, and there's a bear standing there at like 20 yards. Right. And it's just kind of like loping across through this saddle. You know, you, you hunt a lot of saddles there because that, that's just where everything crosses them mountains and Appalachian Mountains. You know, it's the easiest place for them to cross. And it's a big red oak flat. And uh, they don't eat. Just, they don't eat those, which they don't eat. And uh, <laughs> he he's just kind of walking by. And I, I have my phone in my hand. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take photos and send it to Clay. You know, and I, I had my photo and I'm opening up the camera I'm like, 
I should probably shoot this son of a bitch. (laughs) 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 And I put my phone in my pocket and I turn around and I I grab my bow and uh, the bear is straight downwind of me. And it, I know it knows I'm there. Like it, it keeps stopping and like putting its nose up in the air and smelling, but it didn't, it wasn't spooking. Um, and then it would walk a little ways and, and stop and smell the air again. And I ended up, I put an arrow in it at uh, 17 yards and it let out a roar and went terror, tearing through the, the saddle there and um, went probably, I don't know, 50 yards and I heard a crash and then silence and then I heard the death moan. So I, uh, I knew it was dead right there and I text them and I don't even remember what I said. Something, I just shot a bear. I just shot, shot a bear. <laughs> I, I just shot an effing bear or something, something along those lines. <laughs> so I get down and uh, a pretty quick recovery on the, on the bear and, and uh, we get it out of the woods and then we go pick up Clay who hadn't seen a bear yet. And that was pretty much our Didn't trip. Didn't see a bird that night. Yeah, so that was that kind of ended our trip. He stayed there for a couple more days, um, didn't have any luck, and then he headed back to Nebraska, and uh, I went up to Ohio. So that uh, that was the end of the bear hunt, and then we went into our whitetail seasons. So um, I guess we can start you going guys, into that. So you guys didn't, but you didn't deer hunt together, did you? You guys not whitetail we were the, honestly the game plan like of all the times i've been bear hunting in west virginia i've hunted like one day and killed that's honestly honest to god truth like i i would go down the first time i went down i think i hunted um a morning an evening and and killed and then the second time i went down um when did I do that? I, I shot that one. I, I sat, those bears were, he was getting pictures of them all hours of the day on this like big flat that went around the ridge. And I went in and I was just going to sit all day. And I, I got on stand at eight in the morning and I killed a bear at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so, you know, I, I was pretty confident that Clay was going to get a shot, see some bears, you know, the way it turned out, I, I, I would have never have guessed that he wouldn't see anything. Um, but the game plan was we were going to tag out in bears, and he was going to come up to Ohio, and I was going to put him on a, uh, a Pope and Young Deer in Ohio was the game plan. Nobody goes to Ohio to shoot a Pope and Young Deer. Don't you know that? Nobody. <laughs> That's what There's none here. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they're all 160s. <laughs> they, uh, there's, no, there's none here at all. They're all in uh, Illinois and Iowa. That's right. and uh so we uh we tanked on on that department so we we parted ways and clay went home to nebraska and and licked his wounds and i came back to ohio and our our season had opened here for whitetails and typically like i would never go bear hunting down there and until i was tagged out in ohio and i'm historically i'm usually done in ohio pretty early in October every year. Um, and then I would go down there just for filling uh, some some hunting time, really. Um, Did so, you tell no. about the deer you were going to put me on on the way out there? Like, oh, I yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's this beautiful 8, and we all know 
Damien doesn't know how to judge an eight because the story he's going to tell you a little bit later, he was showing me pictures of him. He's like, meh, he doesn't excite me. Meh, I'm probably not going to shoot him. But he shows me a picture of this deer, and, and I went, yeah, I'll shoot that deer. This deer was going to be like <laughs> mid to low 140s eight. He was going to be a big deer. I had and, him at, I guessed him at like 138, and he was a nine point. He had a crab claw, big crab claw on the one side, and – Literally, as he's driving to West Four Virginia, hours into the drive. I, I open up my I, – I use wireless cameras, and I open the one up when I wake up in the morning, and he broke off his entire right side of his Jeez. back. <laughs> so, I mean, like down to the pedicle almost. So, that kind of spelled out the trip, how his trip was going to be. Um, so, he uh, – we, we, I get back to Ohio, and – I uh, I didn't have – I lost the farm. The last couple of years have been pretty rough. Like, I had a lease for, like, 12 years. That farm sold. Um, then the farm I hunted last year, it sold. So, I'm, I'm scrounging for property. And then this farm that I got, it's only 58 acres. I wasn't crazy excited about what I was getting on camera. You know, I, I – I don't want to sound arrogant or whatever, but like, I, I, I don't even like think about deer until they hit. Like, Damien, the I'll say it. Just stop. Damien doesn't get out of bed for a one thirty-five. <sighs> okay. So, so before you guys get too crazy into this, so not only you guys are on the WCB team, but you guys also do something with the bow hunting league. You guys have a team yeah. together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You want me to talk about it, Damien? Yeah, you you threw the team together, so okay. you uh, you tell that. So, and and we're not I'm not affiliated with these dudes at all, right? Like it's not like I I'm getting something out of this, but I'm going to give them a hell of a plug because they've got something going on over there that hopefully it doesn't blow up too big and get polluted. You know what I'm saying? Like Facebook right. sucks, whereas back in the day, I'm sure it was great before it was monetized so hopefully it stays as what it is now but a quick rundown is uh bowhuntingleague.com or bowhuntingleague group on facebook so it's really easy to find i was bored and i was just looking for groups and uh i i ran across that they accepted me right away and i start looking around and i find out that this is during the summer still these guys are having Facebook Live single shot brackets, like sweet, like uh, uh, ba- basketball brackets, you know, against, like it would be me against Trev, and we both get one arrow at 40 yards and have to be live the entire time, walk up and measure it from the dot. Like, there's some fun shit going on, right? And so I start looking into it further, and I realize that. It's, it's team-oriented. You, you build your own team. If you're not on a team and you don't have anybody, you just say, hey, my name's Clay. Um, here's my resume. Give them a couple pictures to show them what's happening, and then they'll, they'll like, farm you out and say, Would anybody, here's Clay. Uh, looks like he kills some big deer. Uh, or, or here's Damien. You know, they're, they're <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and they'll, someone will pick you up. There's guys that, that do not, you know, they kill, they kill 65 inch deer and, and that's great. They're loving every bit of it. You know, there's also 
uh, there's currently a dude on there who's killed 750, I think, 750 inches of deer this year, and he's averaging one. So, like, there's killers. There's real killers there. This guy killed 450-inch bucks in a week, and it, and it, it's awesome. Matt Powell's his name. Uh, and, and I was talking to him on the side uh, through Messenger. Seems like a great guy. But there's a kind of – Sidetrack. There's no money. It doesn't cost you a dime to enter. Three-man teams. Uh, collectively, your each of your biggest bucks, gross inches, is your score. So, if I shoot uh, a one like right now, currently I've got a 144 down. Damien's got a 160. Austin Chandler's our third teammate. Team spread out is what it is. That's not even right. fucking fair. That's the worst teammate. Like, what the <laughs> pack in a freaking court. <laughs> hey, you might as well have Lee, Tiffany, and fucking the Drury brothers. I mean, this well, is we're, we're in what? Third? We're in third place right now, and it doesn't look good. And it's yeah. only going to get worse. Like, there's yeah. one chance. I'm going to try. Well, let me go through it. So, I've got a 144. Austin's got a 146. And Damien's got a, a, a 160. Yeah. So <clears throat> that score is basically 450 is where we're at. Well, 475 is the top. And there's guys like like Cole's team uh, from working class. Cole shot a 191. And Landon, who's on his team, Landon Thomas, Mr. Excitement, he shoots a fucking 165. And then you've got Dana Pace is the third man on their team. Oh. He hasn't shot a deer yet. They're in like ninth. Dana Dana could shoot a one twenty and win the whole thing. Win. Right. And, 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 and you Dana's know he's not, not shooting one. a one twenty. No. Now the, everyone can blank. Like we all know everybody can blank. Like he, he could not have he could not kill a deer this year. That's possible. Odds are Dana Pace is going to kill a 145 to a, to a uh, sky's the limit. You know, 165 would be uh, pretty expected from that guy. So he, he could also not kill anything, and they'll still be in, in fourth place. But he kills, he kills a 135. He kills a good Pope and Young Deer. It's going to be tough to beat him. Um, <laughs> but there's a dude that's killed a 250. Guy in Ohio's on a team. He killed two fifty. That dude's uh, pretty pretty nice guy. I actually talked to him. I I yeah. hooked him up uh, with my buddy. My buddy shot the fifth largest whitetail ever in the state of Ohio. It's two seventy two, and uh, I kind of hooked those two up to kind of give him some advice on how to go about you know when you shoot a deer that big. So that dude, uh, he's a pretty nice guy. But anyways, so what do you do when you do shoot a deer that big? You don't. You, it's all on your honor. It's, and that's what's so cool about it. Because you don't win anything. And I'm not, I'm not shitting on their prize packages. They're very generous prize packages, all donated. There's blinds, there's stands, there's scents, there's balls, there, you know, there's safety harnesses. Like, it's really cool for a free entry thing. Like, if somebody doesn't like that, I guess they should go do something else. You know, join the Whitetail Championship or something, which is also cool. I'm not shitbagging that. But this is just so different, and, and it seemed more pure. So when you kill one, you 
did it through their rules, which is you send them an email, you tell them your team name, you tell them the state the buck was harvested, you tell them the score of the buck, you send them pictures of the buck that have to have your bow in it. And they've got uh, – uh, us three right here can tell you what a deer scores. You know what I mean? When we look at it and, and somebody says, this deer, score, deer scores 190. Well, I know that deer behind Damien right there didn't score 190. So – there's official scores and people that know what's going on who look at the photos and I'm sure I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I'm sure that they decide if this deer is even worth talking about. If they feel like there's a little foul play going on, they might decide, look, these guys aren't going to, he's not going to win the King of Tines. He's not going to, they're not going to place. And they just might not say anything. Right. Uh, but you know, a winning team and there's probably some, if there's some discussion about it, they'll just ask for more pictures. And you, you've got to provide them with more pictures. And who knows? Those pictures could be, send me a, a picture with a tape on his G2. And from that, you should be able right. to figure out what he scores. I mean, you can't run trophy tape, right? I mean, that's not okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just had to go there. I love that. That's, I mean, that, that's a good way to gain 20 inches. <laughs> right. Or lose 20 inches, one of the two. Depends if you fucking know how to use it. Sure. So, so then each day, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not plugging these guys too bad. Like I, I'm not trying to, but like he, so he just, uh, Ben Harrison is the dude that runs the league. So he, he just posted that, said congrats, you know, to the guy that shot that. And, uh, and, and it just happens like that all the time. And they, there's 15,000 people on this site. Wow. There are 500 three man teams. That's a lot of people That's to keep incredible. track of. So I want to get involved with them next year. I'd like to help. You know what I mean? Because what's I, I, I did see that there was um, on that last post they posted there was like thirty-seven thousand inches of antler submitted and like three hundred and seventy uh, bucks out of so three hundred and seventy. How whatever it ended up being, the average score was like uh, one thirty four. So whatever that math is, wow. uh, so I mean that's that's pretty cool to see. You know, a bunch of people just killing deer, and it's it is fun. You just you know there there's nothing in it. You have nothing in it, but just kind of. It's a good group of guys. Yeah, yeah, and girls. There's lots of girls there too. I just like the fact that you were saying that they go live and they do the shots. I mean, that's that's pretty that's badass. That's what we do all summer anyway. Oh, and, and of course, yeah. I get I start a day after they freaking start that. I was so pissed. Not that I don't want. I just wanted to participate. You know, it was right. it was what you as a fanatical hunter want to do, which is talk about deer hunting, shoot your bow, talk about deer hunting, and talk about deer hunting. I'm with it. I totally agree with you. I think it's fucking awesome. I'm going to have to I, – I got on this I got on this whole curve, like, after everybody. Like, I must have been friends with them, but then I saw you guys all posting on there, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I missed out on all this great stuff. And I'm like, how did we get involved? I guess that was because I shot the deer this year. But other than that, I've probably been like, nah, it's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just found that post Damien was talking about. 41,930 inches. 311 bucks with an average of 143 there's killers you know there's like five 200 inch deer already Jeez. this year was do you guys find that this year was like one of those years like years of the giants 
Like there was more bigger deer shot this year than it was a lot of years in the past. Um, it, it COVID seems, to do? Yeah, right. Um, it does seem, it, especially in in Ohio, at least. You know, I almost everybody that I know that are you know serious hunters, and and usually I won't say tag out every year, but when they kill bucks they they kill good solid bucks and this is the first year that i can remember that i'd be hard pressed to to just name drop one that hasn't tagged out yet um it's it's does seem like a lot of people tagged out on really good bucks this year you know out of say you you have 20 close friends that are diehard hunters you know not if you're you're pretty lucky if 75% of those shoot, you know, 140 and better bucks, you know, every year. And I'd be hard pressed to like I said to to name one right now that hasn't tagged out on a good buck. Yeah. I think that's the same same here also. It's like I mean they're not 140s, but they're all good good bucks and everybody's I mean you're just seeing so many more bigger bigger bucks shot this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it has to do with the whole COVID thing because everyone's has a time to go and hunt or it's just that I mean we've had I don't know about you guys, but we've had pretty weak winters here where our our winters have been weak, but I mean we had a drought this the second half of the summer. It was drier than hell here. And you would have thought that would have kind of stifled some of the the growth. I know it really put a damper on food plots and stuff around, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they, like you said, maybe with the COVID stuff, more people had time to be out in the woods and, and uh, tag out. I don't know. You might be right on that. Yeah, it's just cool. Like when I was kind of bad when, you know, I went to taxidermist with mine because I brought them back here and there was three bucks that were bigger than mine and we were in fucking Connecticut. And I'm like, I didn't have to go all this way. (laughs) 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 But no, it's just cool to see that there's a lot of big bucks and that, you know, that many people on the league have shot giants, especially average of 141. I mean, that's that's a pretty good average. Right. Something else I didn't add into that is, so I've got one. Four. Austin's got a 146. He's got a 160. I can shoot a one uh, a 170. And, and what do they call it? Uh, upgrading. Upgrade. Yeah. Unlimited upgrades. So as long as you have tags, you can upgrade. That's awesome. And, and then they have a they have a king of tines uh, deal. So when I was looking at it, um, I, I got pretty excited early in this year because really. I I, well, yeah, I, I did. I. I geeked out bad. Uh, it was like like a nerd watching Star Wars for the first time. Like I was freaked out. He, I, I started looking at this whole King of Tines competition, and I would have got uh, was it second or third overall last year out of everybody. And because I shot 460 inches of deer last year, and I, I'm like, well, I, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to kill two and and. Uh, Nebraska, and at that point, I didn't realize yet I couldn't kill two in Illinois. I killed two in Illinois. I'm going to kill one in West Virginia. I'm going to slip up through Ohio. I'm going to kill like 200 deer this year. I mean, I'm all ready. You know, I'm exploring my Kansas options. You know, and <laughs> oh, I was I was bad. What I did, I, I know I was bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was bad. I was like, we're, we're going to get this done. Well, here I am, 144 inches. Uh, because that 
does it count? And that wouldn't have put me, that wouldn't have put me anywhere heavy, but I would have been, you know, I'd have been in the top 10 right now for now. Uh, and all I had to do was go to go see Damien and have him sprinkle his fucking Ken dust on me. And I'd right. feel the, you know, 140 with like, just kind of get up and nonchalantly walk out and get in one of his spots. <laughs> He's a super predator. So as you were talking about before, uh, I almost called you Ken, Damien. You were talking about how you had lost a bunch of properties and so on. So before we went on the bow league kind of thing. Yep. Um, so why don't you go into that and how, how your uh, deer season kind of unraveled? Yeah, so, you know, like I had said, the last couple of years, I, I've lost a lot of property. And, you know, I, I landed uh, 58 acres this year. Um, and honestly, I didn't get it until the first week in August. So, and I went down, I met the, the landowner there. He, he, you know, showed me around the property, kind of showed me the property lines and uh, I asked him if I could plant a food plot. He was all for it. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I did a food plot. Um, again, with the drought, it didn't do fantastic, but it, it did okay. And, uh, you know, here in Ohio, we can feed. So I, I put corn out, see what – just kind of take inventory of, of what's there. Because the guy that owned the property, him and his son and the, the other people that had hunted it in the past, they weren't serious hunters. They would gun hunt. They killed a couple bucks that were, you know, mid 120s over 25 years, you know, that sort of thing. Nothing, it, it, nothing special. Um, so I, did, I really didn't know what to expect. So I put cameras out, started getting photos of deer, um, wasn't overly impressed with the velvet bucks that were there. Um, one was that nine point. He was the best one. He's a big mature deer, huge pot belly on him, big old bucket head. Um, I, I don't think he'll break 140. Well, especially now he's broke off one side and now it, all he is is a G3 in the crab claw. Um, so he's, he's really busted up. But he, that should get him through hopefully to next year. Hopefully nobody will shoot him for that reason. He'll kind of maybe uh, put a little more on in, in another year. So – um, wasn't overly excited to hunt it, uh, right before season, probably, uh, I don't know, a week before season or so I got two really crappy photos of a buck, um, that looked decent. He had a bunch of stickers and trash and stuff and, but he still didn't like, he, he wasn't overly impressive. Right. And but he's the best thing I had. I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll kind of set sights on this deer and uh, kind of see what happens. So he wasn't a regular. Um, I got those two photos and then I didn't see him for a couple weeks. And then on the food plot, I started getting him randomly. I'd get a photo or a couple photos of him and for maybe two, three days in a row, then he'd be gone for two, three days. And then I get a photo of him and that off in the distance, you know, maybe a doe would walk by and you'd see him in the background or something. Um, and he, he big body deer, just, you know, he's just a big mature deer. And, and once I saw him I, and got a better photo of him, 
the one night I kind of recognized him because the landowner had a photo of a buck the previous year. They didn't run cameras hardly at all. And they, but they had a camera out and they got a photo of this deer they called ugly. And he had his left side was a four point side, had some stickers and shit kind of started off his rack. The other side, his brow time went up and looked like a fork horn, you know, just a spindly little fork. And then his beam grew up about four inches, turned a hard 90 and then hooked back up. And uh, that that was what he had. But you could tell he was a mature deer. He had it, the, the photo wasn't that great, but he was kind of close. And all you had was like a headshot of him, basically. Um, and you could tell he was probably a four-year-old in that photo just by the looks of him. Um, so when this deer showed up, I figured, you know, he's five and a half years old. Um, you know, he's a good mature deer. Best I had, I was, I was going to go after him. So, um, he wasn't that, like I said, he wasn't that routine. Um, Halloween morning, this farm is really difficult to get into in the mornings. Um, just because the moment you pull off the main road, you're the whole front of the property is, is, is field. So anything feeding in those fields, you're blowing out into this property and it, it's 58 acres, but honestly, it probably hunts like 15. Um, it's just a really um, difficult place to hunt. And so I elected that I wasn't going to hunt mornings. I don't hunt mornings until um, October 27th, typically. And uh, I had another buck that's a pretty decent buck was showing up in the mornings and so would send them to clay and clay's like good thing you don't hunt mornings until the 27th and it was like the 25th you know and he's there at like eight in the morning or something oh like there that. was that beautiful cold front that came through deer cast just went completely crazy you know yeah and uh so anyway i i kind of was hesitant to go in there in the mornings at all halloween morning right at daybreak about 100 yards off the field there's a big saddle and I got a photo of him right at daybreak walking by my stand at like 20 yards. And uh, I was like, well, damn, I should have. But then I'm thinking, okay, he's leaving the field. I would have boogered him out anyway. So, you know, what was I? It wouldn't have been a good setup anyway. So I was telling myself. And then, um, well, to go back, I did get one photo. I, let me back up. So I, I said earlier that most of my deer I've killed in October and most of those deer, 80 out of the 20 some deer that I have on the walls, probably 85 to 90% of them I've killed in a seven day window in the October new moon. Um, I know Mark Drury talks badly he about just, the dark moon. Here we go with the new moon bullshit again. That's right. <laughs> but I, I swear by it. I talked about it on that Whitetail Cribs episode and almost all of my deer I've, I've killed in that window and this buck is it like was, three days before three days it, after it, or it's is it? three days prior the the new moon and two days after is is the window that it and it and sometime in those those days a buck if you have him it, it, it patterned on a food source of any kind and you know where he's bedding he will make an, a, an appearance in daylight and i will swear my life on that um with it i, I i've just had way too much success in that window and I will almost take my hunting vacation to be in the woods on those days versus going out in November on vacation. Um, and this buck lived right up to that. I never had 
a daylight photo. He was always midnight, 3 a.m. sort of stuff when I would get photos of him. And on the food plot, the night of the new moon, I got a photo of him right at last light. It was probably, you know, last five minutes of shooting light, but the wind was totally wrong. I couldn't hunt it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't hunt it that evening. So the next daylight photo that I got was that Halloween morning. Um, and then the Sunday, the very next day we had 60 mile an hour wind gusts, sustained winds were like 25 miles an hour. It was absolutely ridiculous. And that saddle I had, I had, before I saw the weather, I I had committed. I'm like, I'm going to go in that buck. He's, he's there, he's moving in daylight, I need to be in there. And uh, then I saw the weather and I'm like, there's no way that buck's gonna be on the backside of that ridge in that wind because that, that valley is just a really wide, deep valley and that wind, that hillside takes full brunt force of that wind impacting it. And uh, I, I didn't hunt it, 9.30 in the morning, there he goes walking <laughs> through the saddle again. And I'm getting pictures of this. The moment yeah. it's, I asked in the woods where it ought to be. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm at the gym. We were in the woods. <laughs> and I asked in the woods, texting people about how I ain't seeing nothing. His ass is somewhere eating ramen noodles and, and curling shit. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm like, all right, I got to get in there. I went that evening and got up in that stand and it's a giant oak and it was absolutely absurd that wind the trees around me were like bent over like leaves were blowing off them and smacking me in the face and and you'd hear trees crashing in the valley and i'm like this is absolutely ridiculous i can't there's nothing going to come through here so i got down topped over the back side of the hill got out of the wind a little bit in a different stand and i uh, saw a few deer but nothing nothing exciting so that was the first um, this November 2nd, I'm like, okay, I had him the first and second, I had him in daylight. The third, this is his third day before he leaves for three days. So I'm, I gotta be in there. And we still had high winds. It was like 16 mile an hour winds. And I thought, okay, that there's one finger off of this ridge that used to be a pine kind of grove and all the pines died and fell. And now it's pretty thick, it makes a really good bedding area. And then on the back side of the ridge there's a big cove on the neighboring property that's pretty brushy and i figured if if deer bedded they're going to be in that cove or on this this point out of that west wind and uh so i was hoping to catch him in transition between those two and i went in and uh got in stand and i was there about an hour and that buck come walking off the neighboring property across a gas line. And I saw him in the gas line and it was a setting sun. It was 4.30 in the evening. His rack was shining. The sun was directly behind him. And the moment I saw him, I knew it was him. And he walks in behind this pine tree and he stops. I could see his legs and then he just stopped. And he stood there for like, I don't know, two, three minutes it felt like. And he just was kind of surveying the woods. You know, he had just hopped over the ridge. He seemed like, I think he was just kind of surveying before he committed to going in the, in the, over the ridge there. And I saw him duck his head. He went under the pine tree. 
walked on to this uh, kind of area. It's kind of like an overgrown pasture where I was at. It's all locusts and multiflora rows and just kind of nasty stuff, just deer habitat, you know, great stuff. And there's a scrape right there. And he started working that scrape and there's a multiflora rose. And all I could see was basically like his jaw up and I could see his head and his rack just swinging, hitting the licking branch. And I could hear him paw on the ground. And, uh, I, now it's getting good. Now it's getting good. <laughs> now it's getting good. Now I'm getting so I'm, I'm, at this point, he has four trails. Basically he can leave from that scrape. Three of them bring him within 30 yards. And the fourth one is, is a little bit of a further poke. And he left the scrape and he sort of committed to the one trail. And I actually drew back on him and thought he was going to come down that 30 yard trail. And he stopped and he started smelling the ground. And I don't know if, if a deer had walked through there or what, but he started kind of almost like cold trailing something. He would, he was smelling the ground and he would take a step and he was, you know, he had his nose at the ground. He wasn't alert, almost wasn't even paying attention around him. And he was just slowly kind of quartering away up the hill towards that trail that goes further away. And I'm like, well, if he commits to that trail, I have a really short window. If he picks his head up and starts walking, my window is really short. So I, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now is basically what I decided. And, uh, the bad part was that setting sun was directly behind him and I'm staring into the sun and he's, he's on the ridge. So he, he's up above me. I'm actually shooting up at him slightly and staring into the sun. And again, I'm shooting that Garmin sight. So I draw back and I range him. He was 52 yards and he was quartering away and if, if I had to pick a spot, honestly, I, I couldn't have done it in that sun, but I Josie just, Wales sun. That's what they right, call that. Yeah, Josie, Josie Wales sun. But it's behind and, and you're right. That, that sun helped you. It wasn't helping me. <laughs> that very same sun. And uh, so I, I, I'm like, well, if I center mass him at that quartering angle, I knew it would just bury right up into the goodies, you know. So I drew back on him. I started putting back pressure on it. And the shot broke, and I when 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 I I always know when that shot breaks, and I'm like, oh fuck, you know, and it like yeah, you it know, it's, you. it's not where you were. It, it startles you, and and you're like, I I I'm confident that it's good, you know. When it scares you, when it goes off, that it's that good. you know it's going where it yep. needs to go. You're you know? on the spot, right? And, and, and if uh, it doesn't go where you thought it was going, you need to change your sight because that was a perfect, perfect release. Just. Yeah. And it, it just it just broke, and I was like, ah. And it was 52 yards, lighted knock, and I could see that lighted knock going. And it made that whack, and it absolutely made – that buck just goes – and made this ungodly, like, grunt, knowing I just wiped him out. And – he buries his face into the hillside and he's running like on three legs trying to get up and he's just bulldozing his face into the dirt. He finally gets his legs under him and he goes shooting back across the, the gas line and I could just see blood just spraying out of him. And uh, he, he hits the, the tree line on the other side of the gas line, which is just slightly out of sight. You know, the gas line kind of drops off the backside. The treetops shake and the woods go silent. And I'm like, 
he just crashed right there. Move and uh, six inches to your left while you're telling this story so we can look at the damn thing behind you. Oh. We'll <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> bring him over here. So okay. he, uh, he ended up running about 25 yards. And uh, look at the crashed. blades on the fucking yeah, he, he, he just He surprised me. This is one of the few deer I ever killed that walked up on him and grew on me. Like the trail camera photos you would get, you would see that. That's not impressive. Like that, that doesn't excite me at all. He's so full of shit. He just misjudged this deer. He was sending me pictures of this deer saying, that deer doesn't excite me. And I'm like, this guy's giving me a free pass. This, this doesn't excite me. This, like, honestly, with the deer that I've killed, that does not I knew sense. that deer was bigger, you, just like you knew that mule deer was bigger. I was looking at that deer turn him a little bit. <laughs> you slightly turn him a little bit, and all of a sudden he becomes a little bit special. And uh, Wow. He, he, uh, he's got what, what really added to him. Like, he's 10 inches bigger than I expected. I thought he might touch 150, and he's 10 inches bigger. So – I didn't think this was scorable. It's an inch and an eighth. Um, his bases, he's got five, five and three quarter inch bases. Uh, these his brow tines start really low down on his beam, which giving big bases also adds an inch to what I was guessing his brow tines to be. Because when you were looking at nighttime photos, you're going off of this, you know, you're right. going off of that. You don't realize his brow comes clear down into here. Same thing on this side. And uh, he's got almost 39 inches of mass so look at the three. double brow tines he's got going on the little yeah in between. just he's, he's just awesome. between the brows and the g2s on both sides oh yeah yeah these you talking about crazy yeah. and uh he he just uh really surprised me he's got three inches over three measurements over five inches on his masses um just it, his beams are an inch longer than i i thought so just overall, he he was ten inches bigger than I expected. So Jesus. he's he's one fifty nine and seven eighths. So pretty pretty awesome buck. I I can't um, be disappointed in him. His, his body is enormous. Uh, he just uh, he's a beautiful buck. So it's kind of funny. Is so the night the night you shot him was the night that I shot my buck in Ohio, and you sent uh -huh. me the picture, and I was like. I just like this was after I had shot it. We were walking back to the parking lot to go review the film, the film, and I'm in like a whole different world. Sure. And because I didn't know, you know, like I'm in a whole different world because I didn't know what was going on with the buck that I shot. So I look at my phone, I see the picture of the buck. I'm like, oh, that's a nice buck. And then I just close it. I didn't even know who the fuck shot it. Like I didn't even <laughs> like you in it. I just saw a nice. I'm like, oh, that's a nice buck. I didn't know I was in a whole different world. So yeah. then after the fact, when we had recovered the deer and shit, I go back through my text messages. I'm like. Damien shot a fucking monster. I said, Steve, look, Damien shot a giant. Because <laughs> like, I had just like scanned through to, it. To put you in his perspective state of mind at that point oh, in time. Oh, I saw the video. <laughs> well, he, here's the funny part is he had that camera and we got back to the car and he put the camera up on the roof of, or the, yeah, the roof of his car. We go and get the deer. We come back and then he drives off or we go to check the film and we drive off, leaves the camera on top, drops it in the parking lot. Oh, jeez. And then almost runs it over coming back in. <laughs> I was in a whole different mindset. But when I saw it, I'm like, wow, that's a really nice deer. And then I didn't even know, like, I didn't even see who was in the picture or nothing. I'm like, oh, someone sent me a really nice picture. And, and, then, uh, and then when it all came to, I'm like, holy shit, Damien shot a fucking giant. <laughs> when I had looked like, at oh, yeah. <laughs> that was incredible, dude. That, uh, I mean, something that was cool for a little bit, but then he remeasured and ruined it 
What's your mule deer score? Oh yeah, so so the original score of my mule deer was one sixty and an eight. I shot him September second. My original score on this when I rough scored him was one sixty and an eight, and I shot him November second. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then I rescored him and I lost two eights, and it it kind of lost the wow factor, but. There was, it yeah. was a neat thing. Like he shot a 160 and an eighth and he shot another 160 and an eighth. It of was two like, different species. Awesome. Yeah. Both on the second of the month. Yeah. I think they're both still 160 and an eighth. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll just say 160 and an eighth, make yeah. it a good story. Exactly. <laughs> That's a stud. Wow. And it, so I couldn't even, I don't know. I'm lost for words. We might have to shoot that. I don't know. Cause Ben was asked, but with bow hunting league, he was asking me, what your deer scored i think i told him 160 and an eight i don't i turned in my score sheet oh i sent him a, i sent him a photo of the score sheet i said with the photo of my deer and so i mean it should be we're not gonna win anyway so it's really not gonna no. matter no because you gotta Obviously, shoot if you're docking yourself points you're not somebody who's cheating <laughs> right well clay better get back in the woods and shoot a 170 then you know he's slacking all year uh I, I would like no shit. I would like to make it out of this year with a 150. Like, that's always the goal. And I know that the deer that I shot this year was uh, barely a nine, and he was 144. He's gorgeous. So, well, it's not like he's not a respectable deer. He's an amazing deer, and I'm so happy. And I shoot him on the first day every day of any hunt. But I would love to get out of town with a with a 150. Uh, that, that would just be nice, especially if I do it. Like I've got a tag left in Nebraska and I've been hunting my ass off and uh, I got a nice little piece of, uh, it's one of those little tiny areas that, that can just turn into something good. You know, it's, it's not about the size of the property. It's about which part of the property is the right spot. And I, I've got a nice little piece and, I don't have any big deer spotted or anything like that. And and I'm in Nebraska, which is not, I mean, there's big deer everywhere, but it's not exactly Iowa, you know. Didn't the general come from my, Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. <laughs> the, largest, the largest whitetail to ever walk earth. Especially when you mount his sheds and spread them out. Hey, <laughs> I'm just so saying. He had a 60-inch spread, you know. I'm just saying. So, it, knock Nebraska all you want. Why don't you yeah. go get off your lazy ass and find yourself a general? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> no, what he's so going to do is he's going to come back. I've got a little spot, but I, I lose it during rifle. Uh, um, so, I, I was very respectful of the guy that was in there, and I didn't go anywhere near it. So, as soon as the wind's right, I'm going to go check a trail camera, and I'm going to start getting in there. I mean, it is November. It, it's still November. So uh, Probably because you hunt too close to the ground. Huh? I said it's because you hunt too close to the ground, dude. This year was crazy. Like, you I, gotta start your whole season over, there, guy. You you're skipping over your whole Illinois hunt and everything. You're gonna jump oh. right to Nebraska. Well, let me get rid of the Nebraska because there's not there's not a lot to really talk about. Yeah, I I've got nothing on camera. I've got a really cool little three-year-old who lived through rifle. I know he did. He, he could get poached or something like that, but I got. I know he lived, and he's neat. He's nothing special, but he could be a cool deer next year. That's the. That's all that I have for whitetail. I got nothing else. 
Well, I started hunting these little places and there weren't trees. And I said, ah, what the hell? And I had a, a lone wolf climber, you know, the old school ones. <laughs> and I, I've killed several big deer out of that, the climbers. Well, I would, I would just cut myself a couple shooting lanes and get like 18 inches off the ground. I did that several times and had some pretty wild hunts when it comes to does. <laughs> because I wasn't confining myself to a tree. Well, shut up. Don't smile and laugh, kids. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm 18 inches off the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm picturing that. Well, he said it. The tree and getting the gear. I had some amazing hunts on some right. doves. Buck collector clay, dude. I don't even mean to <laughs> shot fucking does. <laughs> I, no, I didn't shoot Joe collector dogs. clay. I didn't shoot them. I just Joe collector clay. Doe watcher clay. <laughs> Doe peeping. <laughs> Dill peeper. <laughs> Go to my YouTube channel and see how many dead does there are. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So the funniest part about being in this stand is I got my bow hanger. Everything's like normal. My bow's hanging right here. I get ready to get down out of the stand the first day, and I take my bow off, and I went, and I set it on the ground, <laughs> leaning against the tree next to me. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder what it's like to fall out of that stand. <laughs> I, 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 no, no shit. I stepped out of it just onto the ground. I didn't even have to like jump or hop. Like, Did you wear a harness? Uh, uh, but it was <laughs> at how good I was shocked at how good the hunt was. I, I'm always a get as high as you can guy. And I was, I, I couldn't believe it. So, there were several times this year that I hunted five foot off the ground because I was choosing the spot more and not constraining myself to a tree. Right. Much. I get that. Um, I mean, look at all the old timers that used to have the sitting seats and you'd see them on these ridges, these like two thirds of the way up on these ridges and they would have these little seats on the side of the, you ever seen them? Like you walk through the woods and there's little tiny, just little. I've never seen them, but I mean, I know what you're talking about. They'd be, yeah. they're great turkey hunting things. Yeah. I mean, guys would deer hunt out of them. I mean, they do it here all the time. You know, you probably see it more in Ohio with the ridges and everything than, you know, you see all the old timers. They sit on them all the time. He's not going to he's not walking out on the ridges. He's explained that and made that very clear. Oh, the, that's right. I forgot about that. The weirdest thing that I saw <laughs> that, that I noticed about it from a, what can somebody take away from, from this mm-hmm. is that, that they couldn't see me. And you know, you know me, you know my opinion on camo. Like, I like big, broken camo, but I truly, it can, it, it can be chartreuse and, like, because deer can't see color. But I like the big open patterns. I was wearing standard, just old camo, and sometimes not camo, and sometimes a black hoodie. Like, I wear, I wear this hoodie in the stand a lot, and... I'll be, I'm just sitting there and I've got does at 10 feet at eye level and I just haven't moved, but they can't, they can't see me. The wind is great for me. And it, and it was truly because I had pines behind me. As long as I wasn't moving, they weren't going to see me. And so many times I've been 25 to 27 feet. And when people say they're 25 to 27 feet, most of the time they're full of shit, but I'll be 30. Yeah. I'll be 30 foot in a tree and scary high and they just hammer you they just 
a doe comes walking away at 60 yards, she just bang, and she's got you on a virgin sit. And it's because there's nothing behind you. The leaves are off the trees, and you put yourself in the skyline. I was shocked that when I made sure to drop myself below the tree line, shocked at the difference it made on whether they saw me or not. And I learned a ton this year about that. Uh, And just to trust the fact that if the wind is right and you don't move, they won't see. It's, It's wild. No, that makes perfect sense. So you did dive in and uh, you, you may have opened another rabbit hole, but you've got your YouTube up and going now. So what are your plans there? I know we talked a little bit on the last, but uh, fill us in. Like I don't have, I don't have huge plans uh, for it, but I like doing the videos so much. Like I really do. And it's kind of a way for me to look back through and see <laughs> – Man down. <laughs> Ken down. Ken down. Uh, it's a way for me to look back through and, and hold on to those memories. Uh, but, but then all of a sudden I started, the, some people started gaining a little bit of interest, you know, and, and it's not, like I don't have very many followers or anything like that, but, or subscription, I, I guess they call it on YouTube. Right. I'm liking it so much that I'm going to start doing more videos and I'm just going to put it up there and, and if people keep liking it, I'm going to keep making videos. So uh, I didn't realize how much motivation you got when somebody subscribed. Like, <laughs> like I, I would, YouTube sent me something. And they're like, oh, you got this many subscribers. Congratulations. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh I'm going to make more videos for these people. They need them. You know, they need them. That's they, right. need them. they want, they said, I got to they, they want to see it. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to put you know a couple videos out or three or four maybe five a month and because i'm really having fun doing it so old buck collector clay you can make fun of me all you want dough collector and all that shit but <laughs> i uh, i the really buck collector and the dough peeper yeah and, and and clay. We, we talked about the last one damien's mule deer harvest is there uh i like to do recovery videos with my daughters <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. Oh. I saw one that you just put up. It was cool as hell when you were re- actually doing your nine pointer from Illinois. Yeah. So what I'll, and you know what, I'll just start that story right now and I'll get into that. And, and my wife, <laughs> my wife's so freaking cool, dude. Like she knew what she, she knew, she knows I'm crazy when it comes to deer hunting. Uh, so she knew what she was getting, but she, it, it doesn't mean she still has to be cool. And she is. You'll find that out here in this story even more. Uh, <laughs> I go back to Illinois. I hunt a couple times. I've got a couple different places to hunt. And I didn't have a ton of, of intelligence back there because several of my cameras didn't function during the month of August. So I'm, I'm that's we talked about the last time I'm making the jump to a big Spartan jump here in the spring because right. it's, it's amazing, but I don't want to get too far into that again and just sit here and harp the same way I did the last time, but <laughs> wireless cameras are the way to go. There's a guy sitting right there uh, that knows 
and when I watch him and how calculated he is. And when he tells that story a little bit ago, he, he doesn't give himself any justice. He just talks about how the deer was doing this and how he was doing that. But this guy knew where to be, exactly where to be, and that that deer was going to show up. That's not an accident. That's not luck. It takes a ton of work to be that lucky. So those cameras enable him to be able to do that. Earmuffs, Damien. <laughs> huh? What? You were talking about me? Yeah. So, so I go back to Illinois, and I had, uh, I had a, one of the places that I can hunt has uh, a couple. The, the age structure is pretty good there, and, and it's got several deer that are uh, shooters, you know, if you just want to call them that. Uh, so I hunted one of the other places a little bit and I was trying to get a feel for that. And I hunted one of these and then I finally dove into this other spot and I was getting a lot of swirling winds and I wasn't liking it. And a different wind came and I had heard the term quartering wind and I didn't realize what that was. I'd been doing it for years but somebody put a term to it, you know, which is right. And, and Damien, Damien puts it in a really good way, which is it's got to be good for, it's got to be good win for you. And it also has to be good win for him. So you want pretty good for you and pretty good for him because it can't be great for you and great for him. So it's just that, that little line of, uh, of, of the difference between I'm really skating whether this one is going to nail me. And that so goes 10 yards the wrong way, then it's bad for you and good for him. Right. So, and, and I'll try and do a little bit of a visual thing without, but I'll still uh, talk about it as much as I can. So imagine uh, a corner of a large woodlot, you know, that was roughly 80 acres. The actual woodlot surrounded by ag is 80 acres. So if I've got a north wind and I'm in the, Excuse me, if I've got a straight west wind and I'm in the southeast corner, then deer are going to travel that east side. Bigger deer are going to travel the east side and then, and then turn up. And if it's a big woodlot like that, of course, they'll zigzag through. But they'll travel that east side so that they can get the wind uh, at their face. So I hadn't, tr- I hadn't hunted that spot before. And, but I felt like I was pretty good. And right at first light, uh, a 40-inch buck walks uh, just, out of, just out of sight. You know, I see him, and then he's in and out of the brush. And I've got an area that's pretty thick, anywhere beyond 40 yards. I've got a couple good shooting lanes, but anywhere beyond 40 yards, you can't really see. Uh, well, unbeknownst to me, these deer, since they could see where I was, there was no reason for them to go there. So remember, we're talking about the corner. So they're traveling along the east edge, and then they would cut the corner and then travel straight with the wind in their face. So they didn't come into my shooting area because they could see as they walked by through the brush, they're looking and there's nothing there. So that's going to be a little change for next year. But I look up at like 645, 650-ish. You know, it was light. It, was, it, there, it wasn't like 
there was no question on what you were looking at anymore. You know, you could see color. It was, it was bright. So this deer, uh, we, we had called him the big nine. Uh, he, I don't know it's him, but it's a no brainer situation when you look up and you see a, a big deer and you don't have to ask yourself if he's big enough. So I immediately, I see him at my, at my 12 o'clock. I reach for my bow. And when I look back, to, to find him again, he's not there. He stopped, he busted me looking at my bow or, or moving or something. And I'm looking and I'm looking and all of a sudden I catch a flicker to my nine o'clock and he's already gone. He's already crossed through that really thick brush and he's gone. He ends up at about 60 yards through the brush and I can see the whole deer, but it, it's over, and it is fine. I, uh, Damien doesn't carry a grunt call because he keeps track of his deer so well. I absolutely carry a grunt call, 100%. This, this call right here, this old buck roar, they're just nasty. I will not go into the woods in late October or November without that call. If I don't have that, I will stop and go home and get it. That snort wheeze is insane on that thing. Dude, it, I, you know what? It's cool, but, but the – and I've got that – I've got it tuned up right now. The fact that you can tune it differently, that was pretty high-pitched, but you can just turn this sucker down. Is it, important not, that, is it very important that you wiggle your fingers? He's yes. got it on. <laughs> yes. This, this part – Absolutely. You did like the wiggle. You did like you did like the Ken yes, wiggle. Fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Busy fingers. <laughs> I, I, I love this call. And and I'm not selling calls. I don't give a shit. They don't care anything about me. This this call has killed four deer for three deer above 150 inches and this deer for me. one seventies, one sixties, one fifties, and this one. So I love this call. I've got two or three of them just laying around the house. Uh, so this deer is beyond shooting, and he's going exactly in the opposite direction, walking directly away from me. I let him walk another 15 yards, which I think is important about this story from a, a takeaway standpoint. And, and I'm not the first one who's ever said this. It's just pretty standard. You don't grunt at a deer when he can see you, Right because he'll just look at you. So I let him get beyond where I was at. And now all I can see are his ankles. And he's walking, and I just gave him a just like that. And he stops, and he spins his head around at me. And I can't see him. I can see tines, you know, maybe. But he can't see me. And directly behind me is an open field. And the, the line of the timber edge is thick 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 so he just can't see what's behind me and and i'm and i'm i'm doing one of these grunting behind me right. to, to kind of throw my voice backwards and it, i have his attention i don't know what they call it but when a buck is chasing a doe they'll push off so if they're chasing with each footprint it's it's grunt 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 and then when they pushed off they like rip a big grunt out like they're i don't know what they're doing but i gave him a 
and just that ramp right there. And that son of a bitch spun and walked right at me. And he was walking fast enough at me. He was going to the field behind me. There was no question. He wasn't going to wait. He wasn't stopping. He wasn't sniffing the flowers. He was going to, to find out what was happening. Buck walks right back at me. And so now he's, he's coming down. And, and he walks through a shooting lane at 30 yards broadside. And I didn't even, like, I didn't do anything at all. And I went, like, hey, idiot, <laughs> maybe you should get ready to shoot this deer. Because he was, it was happening right now. And he, he walks right up to a 25-yard place. And, uh, and I grunt stop him in a, in a 12-foot wide lane that I'd cut that in August, you know. Like, it was beautiful. He stops right in it perfectly broadside like if he wasn't at a 90 degree angle he was like at an 86 you know like he was broadside and i shoot him and i bury my arrow all the way up to the fletch and i'm like you know my i always tell you my my uh instinctive thing is i go like this and yeah the first this hand goes up and then when i realize he's dead my second hand goes up I tried that, but I couldn't do it. I just my body took over. <laughs> I nailed that on my. They're going like this. Did you? Did you, you got it. I nailed I it. Maybe it does. That is so right. <laughs> <laughs> what gift? The best part about it is the grab the beanie and slowly pull it off. <laughs> I was like, "Yep." <laughs> I must not be cool enough because I haven't seen that footage yet. It's on YouTube. It's yeah, on our did. page. I mean, Damien saw it. I did. What's your page? The Outdoor Drive. The Outdoor Drive. <laughs> That's where he was going. <laughs> I want to go back on the grunt call real quick on that. Yeah. So, so like when you're when you're calling, is that? I don't think it. Hold on, let me fix it. All right. So when um when you're calling, do you make different grunt calls or different sounds when you are calling? Like, do you make more louder burps? Because I know there's like, there's the there's the beat the bleeding grunt, and then there's like just the following grunt. So, or do you believe in something? So, a lot of people like their thoughts on this are a, a like a breeding grunt is more of what a mature buck would make, and then just a regular like falling grunt, like burp burp burp, is more of a. That's that tending kind of thing. Yeah, tending so, grunt and so, breeding grunt, correct. So, so here's where I'm at. And, and by the way, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Some other dude is probably smarter at me than this, okay? I'm not the – I don't I, – this is just my opinion. That's why you hunt with Damien. He just carries my shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a caddy. Let's get real. The caddy guy. <laughs> yeah. Got a good looking caddy, bro. I don't know where you found that good looking a caddy, but I need one of those. Yeah, I Facebook while he gasses up the truck. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some Casey's pizza. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I heard a guy on YouTube the other day and I went like what what in the hell is he doing and i don't care it doesn't matter who it is or whatever but it was like this is the greatest vocalization anybody's ever seen and it was it wasn't over the shoulder it was the deer and then a cut to the dude 
and, and then he was right. like, and, and this is, I will imitate this grunt. Can you hear this grunt all right, or is it too loud or anything? Nope. No, no, it's it works. Good. The dude goes, so then I knew that it was my time. And then I gave him the whatever the hell he called it. And he was like, <laughs> guy, the guy grunts for 10 seconds. Like I, I, I ran out of air and it was not accurate. I needed more air to give his grunt. And I, I what in the hell is he doing? I've heard, deer, I'm not saying a deer won't make that noise. I've heard a lot of noises, heard a lot of deer noises, and never have I heard one go, <laughs> you get the drift. So here, here, here's, here are my noises, right? I believe in the roar. I, I believe in the snort wheeze. Uh, snort wheeze is not something I would use a lot. Like if I get something, if I get a deer just being crazy, smash and brush and just very clearly pissed and bristled up, I would feel comfortable start wheezing that deer if he was going the other way. But it's all last case scenario stuff. I'm not using this. If the deer, if I'm going to, if the deer is going to be in my range and it's always after he left. So I'll, I will, I will hit a few uh, grunts, not a big blind collar. You know what I'm saying? But Last year's Illinois buck was a blind call. I didn't know I was blind calling at the time. I was calling to a different deer. But this deer, that 156 that I shot last year, that slick 10, he very clearly was coming to me and mad. So <clears throat> if I were going to blind call uh, or if I were going to try and get a deer's attention, I, I start small and I, and I will increase the story. Right, because that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to tell a story, but I'm only trying to tell it at the volume that he just hears it. I don't want to walk into a deer's bedroom and go. <laughs> right, that's not that's not where we're at. Although that noise, as loud and as weird as it sounded, if I'd have blown just a little bit, that's I've heard those noises. That's a very that's a that's a I'm chasing a doe kind of a noise. And I don't have the vocabulary what all these fancy ass people are calling this stuff. I just killed deer. Right? So I'll I'll use that. If I want to get a deer's attention, the first vocalization is always this. That's it. And then I watch him. What did he do? Did he hear me? You know if he heard you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was and, snap, and uh... maybe he didn't hear me. And I and and so then I'm listening to the wind. I'm listening to the leaves. I'm listening. Is he walking or is he standing still? Right? Because if he's moving, just like you, you can't hear when you're walking through leaves, except you walking through the leaves. So if I were to give him a, if he were to not hear me, I might give him the same call again, just a hair louder. And that, like, obviously this deer's moving out of my territory. Uh, then I'll give him a rip. Like, uh, I'll give him a couple of those, and then a, I guess a roar. I don't know. It sound like this. And, yes, it is important that you do that because you're accentuating what's happening. So I might get that. But, I, but I'm staring at him the whole time. 
And the moment the heat cranks on me, I'm done. I am done. You mean and you don't whip out the rattling horns and start rattling and all that? Black shit? rack? Yeah. <laughs> what I do, I tape the black rack, and this is a pro tip. I tape the black rack with, you know, that aluminum tape? Not, yeah. Yeah. not like duct tape. I tape them to the insides of my knees, and then I just slam my knees together <laughs> while I'm. <laughs> and that's when I pull out the big gun. <laughs> Every time. Won't go 20. Life lessons <laughs> with Clay Thurman. <laughs> Will come 20. I tell you what, I got a life lesson for you after this. I don't want to – it's actually a life lesson this time. It's not about squirrel pouch and moonshine. And then I'm going to get – we, we got to get into those questions and answers because we got a ton of those. So we'll go with those okay. after life lessons. So to end that, unless that deer looks the other way, I'm not hitting him with another <clears throat> noise, right? If, I, if he looks the other way – well, then he's not that interested. I want that deer to turn around and walk to me. And uh, it, it is extremely effective in, in the right times of the year. So it is what it is. So this deer, I spin him around. He comes back to me. And uh, I'm trying to get Ashley to bring that broadhead. I want her to bring it to me so that I can show it to you. It's, it's getting to be that part of the story. We'll see what she's got to say. <laughs> could you be, could you imagine being married to clay? No, like what a couple days in hunting camp. Like I'll tell you a story. We get back from, hey, from bring me that broadhead, please. Bring you the broadhead. Yes. Okay. I love you. And I'll take out the trash as soon as I'm done. <laughs> So here's here's a little side note while we're waiting on Ashley to bring the broadhead. We get back to camp, and it's nap time, right? So I go, I'm going to go take a nap in my tent. My tent was 50 yards away from his meat wagon camper trailer. He's, he's hang like, on. He's going to tell this, and I'm going to tell how it really happened. Go ahead. This is dead. I'm, this is as accurate as it will ever be. He said, well, I thought we could talk. And I, I'm like, that sounded like a woman. I'm like, all right, I'll bring my cot over here. So I go back to my tent. I drag my stuff over here. He's, he's laying in a hammock inside his camper, right? And I stretch out the, the thing in the shade there and lay down. And uh, he, I think he asked me one question, and it was less than two minutes. He's snoring. <laughs> I'm like, he made such a big fuss. I thought we could talk about strategy and stuff. And he fell asleep in two minutes. And I just grabbed my shit and went back to my tent. <laughs> now, here's the way it really happened. Exactly like he just said it. <laughs> I, thought we could, I thought we could talk. And he, was, he did. He looked at me like, really? All right. He's used uh, to nighttime stories. That's why. That's what that was all about, Damien. Yeah. <laughs> We were talking on my next trip out to mule deer hunt, and he was telling me about this giant uh, elk that they had just killed and all this other stuff. Yeah, I'm telling him an elk hunting story. We killed a 316-inch elk in New Mexico, and I'm telling him the story, and I am in the, the heat of the stock, right? And I hear, <laughs> <laughs> this son of a bitch falls asleep on the phone. <laughs> and then I wake up. <laughs> 
I hear, I hear him. I don't know I'm asleep, right? I hear I him go. It, his wife's name is Dana. I hear him go, Dana. And I'm like, well, dude. <laughs> I got yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I'm falling asleep, asleep, asleep here. I want to let you go. <laughs> I'm about to fall asleep. You've been asleep for the past three minutes. I've been listening to you snore. I just wanted to get my wife to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so I right. shoot this deer. Uh, let's let's back up. Let me finish my story here. I shoot this deer, and uh, I shoot him. He's he's only at twenty three to twenty five yards. I shoot him right through the X of where it's going, and he's just a tiny, tiny bit quartered to me. And I shot him just a tiny, tiny bit high, right? Uh, and, and by that, I mean, I shot him an inch into his shoulder blade. So w- where his shoulder blade cups around in the back, right where his scapula is, I shot him about right there and just buried. Uh, I was shooting a rage hypodermic and I had never shot him before and I buried it into him and he takes off. So he runs back to my 12 o'clock and and disappears almost instantly uh and so i get down i made a couple phone calls ashley and the girls this is that awesome part i call ashley seconds after and i know i killed this deer like you when you know you know i called her and i said and it's six forty-five ish in nebraska i said get in the car get the kids in the car come on because they're eight hours away and I want these little girls to go on this blood trail. And we had a contingency plan that if I killed a deer at the right time of day, that she was going to do this, you know, and if the weather was right, you know, cold enough for the deer. So she says, okay, I'll get them fed and breakfast and we'll, we'll start out. So they start heading this way and I get down 45 minutes later and there's no blood. And I am, like what's going on like okay there's really no blood and when you're in doubt you got you know you back out so i start calling everybody i know and really i don't know what i was looking for right i think i was looking for somebody to tell me to just go or you're doing the right thing stay out right and i'm telling these guys where i hit this deer and i know in my heart i know where i hit this deer and and the angle that i was at it was a very, very killer shot. And I know that it got, at minimum, a half an arrow of penetration. Like, he's dead. But I can't find any blood. So, I go back up in the stand, and I'm, I'm, I actually say out loud to myself, because now I'm talking myself out of it. Like, well, maybe you didn't see what you saw, you know, and. And that's, of course, all my inner monologue happening. And so out loud in the timber by myself, I'm standing the stand. I said, I did not miss that deer. Like out loud <laughs> talking to myself in the timber, like telling myself off. I know where I hit that deer. So I get down, I go back, and I, I just hang out. So four hours later, after talking to 6,000 people that I know, and, 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 of course, people telling me every different thing. But in the end, I know in my heart where I hit the deer. He's dead. 
right, I've killed a lot of deer. He's dead. I go and, and a lot of people don't actually know the anatomy of a deer. The shoulder blade is not where they think the shoulder blade is. It's not in the point of the shoulder. The shoulder blade is on top, right? Yeah, it's it, just like he's saying. It's a big V, and, and it's on top of their uh, – above that, the leg there, like where, right above their knee. And so I shot him right there, and I buried it. I start looking and I called another friend who actually came to, to help me grid really is what's going to happen. Cause I walked three, uh, 250 yards down and covered an entire hillside, the direction he went and didn't find a drop of blood. And I even kind of circled back out around on a different one to see, but I know the direction he went and he didn't run out in the field, you know? So I'm downtrodden and I'm talking to my pal and he says, well, Let's just, let's go across the ravine on the other side. and We'll just grid search that. And we're about 80 yards from the stand at this point. And I, I just walked down this trail and it, there is buckets of blood everywhere. And his name's Dusty. And I yelled to guards for me, caught in, in briars and, and everything's going wrong. I said, Dusty, I'm on blood and we're going to find this deer. Like I, like, I knew it right then. Right. I was so, so happy. And he says, did you find him or what's going on? I said, just walk over here. I ain't talking to you anymore, kind of like I did to Damien. Like, just walk over here. Everything's going to be fine. And I sat down by the blood because now it's been six hours and we hadn't found any blood yet on a deer that I knew I smashed and I was convincing myself that I hadn't shot him. So we find an enormous amount of blood big spongy lung blood like it's it's fantastic i'm getting I've, I've got that video of me on the trail uh i just haven't posted it yet like i'm trying to to put it together so it's decent um big spongy red blood and we're trailing this deer and we're walking along at, at full stride full voice talking because this deer's dead You've never been on a blood trail like this before that didn't end up with a dead deer about 40 yards later. So every 40 yards I go, I'm looking for a deer, and there's no deer. And I go another 40 yards, I go another 40 yards, and all of a sudden we, we hit a property line. And I'm not going – we're, we're sure that it's going to be okay, but I, at, at this place I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not supposed to go. So I call the landowner. He calls that landowner, and the guy's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, he's, he's cool, just like we thought. But as – I'm actually, I'm sorry, I hadn't called him yet. So as I'm getting ready to call him, I got my phone out. Dusty grabs me by the shoulder and rips me down to the ground. And he, he says, he's right there. He's right there. And, I, and I'm like, I know that something alive is there because he wouldn't have – torn me to the ground if he saw the, the body of my deer the carcass then that's the different conversation so i look up and there is there's my deer and he's got his head down and he's he's swaying back and forth and it's like he can't pick his head up and i don't know what's happening at, but i don't have a bow it's been six hours right i don't have a bow and i'm, I'm like i don't i don't know what's happening I don't understand. And about that time, 
watched him there for 40 seconds at 35 yards. About that time, this deer rips his head up out of the briars and has a look on his face like a UFC fighter. Like, just, he's mad, you know, when he rips his head up. And I went, like, that's not, that's not my deer. And then he starts smashing trees and he starts making a scrape. And then he goes over and makes another scrape. And then he plows back into, uh, more more sticks and brush and stuff and we can't really see what's up there and then i got him in the binoculars and i realized that that is a different deer and this deer is better right it's just a better deer so he uh he's smashing stuff going crazy and then then it hits me like my deer's up there dead right there which is what it should be that's what i expect to see my deer's up there dead, and his tarsal glands are flooding the timber with stink, and that other deer is there to, to regulate, you know. So we get there, and this deer uh, – I'm sorry. That deer ends up walking away, and it's like five minutes at 35 yards with the big deer. And he, we were full voice when we walked up there. He didn't care. He just didn't care. So – after he leaves, then I call, then the landowner gets called, and he's okay with us going in there after him. We walk up, we find my deer, and it's there he is. He's still nice, but it's like God just punished me a little <laughs> bit for not holding off, right? I killed a nice big deer, but that other deer was a much higher scoring deer. I'm happy with my deer, but that other deer was – like, Probably would have put us in the top for the bow hunting league. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I knew that would have came. He was a good one. I was, he was like falling one. asleep right there, so it took me a minute. Uh, uh, so, oh, there was – if I'd have had a bow, there would have been a devil on my shoulder going, meow, 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 you know. Uh, so, we go up there, we, we find the deer, and everything's cool, and – the, keep in mind, the wife and the girls are still two hours out at this point. So we got the deer. Uh, we call uh, another guy, and, and, and we get the deer out of there. And then I plant the deer back in the woods in a much more opportune place for my daughters. Gotcha. And then we go to the gut pile with a big pile of leaves and – like we're getting blood all over the leaves and we're replanting leaves so that my six-year-old and my four-year-old, and my three-year-old can track this deer because that's what it's all about anyway for me. And I wasn't going to have them come and not do that, but we had to take care of the deer. You, you got to get the guts out of the deer. So in that video, you'll notice that that deer's already field dressed when they found him. So, <laughs> nice. But they love it, man. That's they, what it's all about. Yeah, they love every bit of it. That's my favorite part of it. Um, so then here's, here's the, the big end to the story. So why didn't the deer bleed? Well, the deer didn't bleed because I shot him in the shoulder blade, and I didn't get a second hole. So moral of the story, don't shoot a deer in the shoulder blade, right? <laughs> so I, there, there's no blame game here. Had I hit him in the ribs, I would have had two holes, and he would have died in – 40 yards, right? But this is the broadhead that I found inside him. 
This is a rage hypodermic that's been sheared off both sides on entry. Now I've still got I've still got an inch cut, but if you and I don't know if you can see them or not, the edge on on those razor blades is completely destroyed. It's it looks like you hit a rock. It's, it's junk. It's trashed. And I know that all the the two blade beveled edge dudes are at home right now going, I told you, I told you, the be- beveled edge two blade. Right? I, I know they're going crazy over it. But like rage, don't like rage, I don't care. This is a fact. That happened. And some people might say, you shot the deer in the shoulder blade and got 15 inches of penetration. You should be pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. I like blood. I like blood on the ground right when I shoot the deer. So I, I probably won't be shooting these again. Now, Damien religiously shoots Rage. Have until this year. I, I switched to Sever this year, but I've, I've shot hypodermics and have never had an issue with them. And I've killed probably 12 bucks over 140 with them, somewhere in that ballpark. You so, put them where they're supposed to be. Any of them in the shoulder blade, either. Did you? Yeah, I don't put them through the shoulder blade. I put them through the ribs, and ribs yeah. don't shear blades off. Yeah, you can't you can't sit here and shit talk. But things do happen, and when they happen, it sucks when your blade shears off. Like I don't, that doesn't quite compute with me. So I'll probably be shooting my hypodermics into turkeys this year and switching over to a heavier duty broadhead. I'm still going to use a flapper. Still going to use a kid arrow. Uh, but I'm probably going to switch broadheads next year. Maybe just back to old school rages, like the old ones, you know? I'll tell you I what. I'm really happy with those severs so far. I mean, I've, that, that mule deer, 67 yards, complete pass through. My whitetail, 52 yards, blew through it, buried in the offside shoulder, and the, the shoulder actually snapped the broadhead and about three inches of the arrow shaft off. Um, and I've, so I've killed my mule deer, my bear and my whitetail with them this year and didn't go 30. (laughs) All of them, all of them went down pretty damn quick. So what are you doing, Trev? (laughs) Oh, I was grabbing one of these. Oh, that's not it. Hold on. That's got a broken tip. (laughs) That is Zeus. That's the Zeus. (laughs) That's Zeus. Zeus. I've never. I don't. Even, I'm not even familiar with those. I hear you guys talk about them. I've never even. These things are fucking nasty. So in Clay's situation, when he shot that shoulder, and it sheared his blades off and chewed them up, those are on a spring tension, so they're sitting like this, and when it hits that bone, it retracts in. Yeah, it goes in. I don't so know you get the pass good. through. Yeah. So it goes down to a to an eighth of an inch or one eighth of an inch. So you have less of a cu- cutting diameter. So it actually can get the penetration that's that it actually needs. So like, they fly like a field tip. Yep. Fly like a field tip. And when, it gets, when it gets through Never, the bone, I know you're a shooter too. Opens. But you don't have to. You don't have to tune. You don't have to do anything. No, as long as your bow. I mean, as long as you're, you yeah, know, you tune like your shit, it's gonna fly right. I mean, it's gonna fly completely right. And I'll tell you, is is, you know, I shot that deer 
Um, same same shot that you did, Clay, and shot it in the center of the the shoulder blade, and it went through and it passed through the fucking rib on the other side. So it went through another rib, and then it was extruded about an inch or so on the other side, and it just was breaking through the skin. Um, and the broadhead, honestly, I would take it out, and I could shoot it into another fucking deer. The thing was completely perfect. Who knows? Maybe I'll yeah. do that next year. It's just great. I, I don't know. I just It's one of those things it's designed to for those, want, those what-ifs, you know, where – when something goes wrong, it's designed to be able to save you. For example, both of our wives both shoot. Um, uh, Kim had shot an Aries, which is their fixed blade, and my wife shot um, a hybrid. They both shoot right around 45 pounds, mm-hmm. and they both did exactly. I mean, my wife, 45 pounds, pretty much went through quartering away shot through the ribs and then went through another rib on the other side and almost had a complete passer at 45 pounds, which is pretty impressive, honestly. I mean, I don't think that there's any other broadhead that would be close to that, you know? Yeah. So. I think we should argue about saddles now. Oh, you really want to go there? (laughs) I don't even got to argue. I just take it out, put it on the horse, and go ride. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, I I think you're good. So we do so, need to get to some questions, though. We do. Well, yeah, just to wrap mine up, that was why I didn't get any blood because of that. And, and I'm going to be focused on, on passing through deer next year. That's going to be my focus is if, if you get the second hole, which will, if you're hunting from a deer stand at a lower hole and, and, and it's going to bleed better. So. That's, I'm going to focus on that. Yep. That's truly an important thing. Because if you don't have that second hole, you have no blood trail. Takes a lot longer for that chest cavity to fill up with blood and start squirting out of a high hole. And that's all, that's all that happened is that he went for uh, 80 yards before he filled up. And then once he filled up, it started volcanoing. Right. A lot of people don't realize that. They start freaking out, and it's like that cavity needs to fill, especially if you don't have two holes. Yeah. Had I watched him go, everything would have been fine. But he went through that brush. He ducked just through the brush. I couldn't see him at all. So like that, like he did when he escaped me the first time. Mm -hmm. All right, I got a question for you. Brandon Ashford asked, uh, with the lockdown starting and in full effect, what are you guys doing and what moves are you making to stay in the action? Lockdown around here is over. Um, lockdown in Ohio is pre- pretty much usually around the 10th to the 15th, and then you'll start seeing them cutting loose, you know, after that. Um, but after that lockdown ends, your, your rut activity is really tapering. You'll get two, three days where you'll start seeing the big bucks ro- still roaming, but after that two, three days after lockdown, the rut activity is on a hard, steady, steady plummet, unless you got a hot doe in your area. If you're that lucky, then you're in the mix. If you're not, you're not. Um, but usually when lockdown's going on, you know, you're, you got two ways of doing it. You either get in the doe bedding and hope that a doe comes in with a buck following her, or you get into those transition areas, kind of like where I killed mine, which was before lockdown, but they're going back in 
you know, it does in heat for 24 hours. So that buck's going to be with her, you know, roughly that 24 hours. Once she's done, he's moving on. So whether it's lockdown, lockdown's five days long, all throughout that lockdown, bucks are going to be leaving does looking for another doe. So you, you have two options. You can be in the bedding trying to beat where the does are, or you can be in transition areas where then bucks are cruising from one bedding area to the next bedding area, you know, trying to find those does. And that's, that's usually where I would be. Um, but again, I'm not a big rut hunter. I don't particularly like the rut. I'm, I'm early season, late season killer. Um, but when, when I am hunting in the rut, that's, that's where I'm at. Who, who asked that question? Uh, it was Brandon Ashford. Um, that's, and there's so many different ways and strategies that, that go there. Uh, there. There's two things that, that I do. And one will be, I'm a firm believer of hunting smart, right? I hunt hard, but if, if I think it, and all my cameras have shut down and it just stopped, I'm not at that point, I'm not going to go into any sensitive areas. I, I would rather not hunt right then. Mm-hmm tend to ruin it completely right but like damien says you can't lock down as a whole it's not like they just turn the lights off for five days right they're going to be releasing bucks are going to release off of those so lockdown for me i might just take a morning off and and go to an observation stand and then and try it because it's a general rule he doesn't a buck's probably not going to hop off of a doe and then 30 you know an hour and a half later be on another one like it it, it, sure it could happen but he's gonna he's gonna be around a little bit you know got that day to kill him you've got maybe the next morning to kill him so if you so so i'll either do an observation sit or I'll sleep in and I will hunt the, the bedding area late morning. Like the, Damien's calling it the transition to the bedding area. I'm hunting the outskirts of the bedding area with that marginal wind that's good for him and good for me because I don't, I don't target bucks like Damien targets bucks. I, I just – try to pass the smaller ones that come in because I believe that when I'm hunting in a place like Illinois, there's lots of big bucks. And I don't know if my big buck could be somebody else's big buck from three miles away today. Like they're going to move. And when they break off and they've had, they've had their fun in their core area then they break off, you never know what's going to come through at all. So that's when it comes down to knowing your travel patterns and to keep yourself on deer or have the opportunity that when that light switch does turn back on that you're there and as a general rule in my opinion that's going to be after the does go to bed so as soon as you quit seeing the does moving now it's time all right uh travis passeris asked late season tactics what are you setting up on 
food, food, to be boring, food, food, food. That's, it, I mean, that's, that's everything. Um, you know, when I had my lease, I strategically put food plots in for late season. And, uh, I had covered this before on, uh, stuff, but, um, like I would plant the ridge tops typically deer early season through November, through your warmer months, they, they go low at nighttime. They want to go low. They got all those thermals bringing all the scent down to them. So if you got a pasture or a meadow hay field, that's down low, a lot of those deer will congregate in those lower fields and they just rely on those cold thermals, bringing any scent from anything around them down to them and they feel safer down there. So the, with my strategy, I planted a lot of food plots on the top of the ridges and it was reclaimed strip mine. So the, the bedding areas were very defined. I knew exactly where the deer bedded most of the time. And I would put those food plots in positions where it would get to the time where they wanted to get up and feed. And my food plots were very convenient for them. Now they were big. They were, well, relatively big in the food plot world. You know, some of them were five acres, two acres, whatever. And they would, they would be kind of the, my kill plots. They would come out, they would get up, they would browse around, they would pop out in my food plot, they'd feed around 10, 15 minutes, and they would move off. And then they would head down to the low fields in the evenings. Now that benefited me in two ways. Um, getting out of my stands after dark, most of the time the deer had moved off heading to their destination food plots or their, their destination fields that they've, you know, down low and it saved my food plots. A lot of times those deer didn't congregate there and spend all night there. So then when January came and the cold weather hit, all the food that was down low where they're spending all their time in the cornfields and the, and the alfalfa fields that are no longer attracted to them, those are all dried up and no longer attractive. Now I got this big, luscious brassica field up on the ridge, really close to their bedding areas that was once just a transition food plot, now becomes their destination food plots. And uh, that's where I killed and, and a lot of my deer late season. What he said. All right, I'm with it. All right. Uh, next question is from – oops, hold on. We got a little issue. All right, there we go. Uh, from Deers and Beers. Situation, last day of the season, freezer's empty. At what point do you stop passing and start blasting? Never. So, like, may I? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> I have I have to press I have to preface this by saying that I don't care what you do. I am happy for you if you're happy. Like a uh, good friend of mine shoots a doe. I don't remember what day it was, but it was in November this year. I don't do that. Like I don't do that. Uh but no one can call this particular guy a slouch right he's a killer so but we're asking me right so you do you i i will never when it's in the rut time frame never go 
hey, let's let's shed some blood, right? Let's lift, let's ventilate some some does here. I, I I will you will never hear me go. Yep, I'm done trying to kill a big buck. I'm not saying I won't ever shoot a doe, but if I'm hungry, if I'm hungry, I'll go buy some beef. Right? I got a, I got a half a beef. I, I, my family's not going to go hungry. And I suppose if my family were going hungry, I got a high-powered rifle, and we'd be shooting them at about 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we're hungry. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not condoning spotlighting deer. That's freaking ridiculous. But it, I'm not hungry enough to be worried about filling my freezer with deer. I like deer. My wife doesn't necessarily love it. I kind of burn her out on it when we were first married. That's all we ate for two years, you know. Uh, I like it. It's great. There's never going to be a moment where I say, it's the end of the season, I got to tag something. Let me shoot a doe. Plain and simple. Again, I'm so freaking happy for dudes who who pack their freezer with, with as many does as they can kill a year. That's great. You done? Well... <laughs> I was just going to use my last reference about the deer like people, right? And I always, I always use that reference. Deer are just like people, and the boys go where the girls are. <laughs> and I can't be dragging the pretty girls out of my bar and shipping them off somewhere because the boys won't come. So my take on that is he said – He's not necessarily meaning does, I don't think, by that comment. He's just saying, when do you start settling and start shooting? What's it uh, again? What, what's it say again? What point do you stop passing and start blasting? Never. I didn't guess that. Thank you, Damien. Never. So, so, to me, and what I enjoy, and the reason I hunt, is I love pursuing big, mature deer. I will eat a tag. I have not had the horrible luck that I've had to eat a tag, but I will very much eat a tag before I shoot a small buck. An immature buck. That small buck could be two years down the road, the buck that I'm targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, and it's not even a mature thing for me. I, I want the m- most mature deer with the biggest rack is what I'm going to go after. The deer that you're satisfied with and would have always been satisfied with for whatever reason it is. Right. And I, and, and Clay has mentioned it several times. I target specific deer and I will pass big deer, really nice deer because that's not the deer. Mm-hmm. And I love that chess match between the one specific deer and learning his ins and outs and where his bedroom is and his living room is and his bathroom is and his kitchen is and where he hangs out for fun and the whole nine yards and then hiding behind his couch and shooting his ass. That's what (laughs) gets my rocks off, you know? So I could, I could, I could feel it in you right now. (laughs) Right. So, that that's that's why i hunt i don't hunt for meat yeah i like deer meat but until my buck tag is filled 
I don't shoot does for the exact reason Clay's talking is your does are what attracts your bucks. Now I've been on properties where the buck to doe ratio is way out of whack. And once my buck tag is filled, I will wreak havoc on does just to thin some out because you can have too many, but I will never I'll start ruining your hunts. That happened to me a couple of times this year. I was, if you'd asked me three months ago uh, about doe controlling a doe population. And I just said that you're, I don't, Leave in it. That's different because if the, if you've got thirteen or fourteen doe on you, you move. How do you draw your bow? Fourteen yeah. doe looking at you. And so it's some, you know, and and like Clay said, I'm not I'm not passing judgment on people that shoot smaller deer. If if they're happy with it, great for them. But if you're asking, and and to me that that's kind of a. A cop-out question is if your freezer's empty well if you're strictly hunting for meat then why are you passing deer if that's your excuse then why are you passing deer if you're if you're a meat hunter then be a meat hunter but don't so many people play that you know i want to be a trophy hunter or i'm you know i want the big buck and then when they feel the pressure coming of the end of season and they haven't filled that tag yet they don't want to go home at the end of the day and say they didn't kill a deer, you know? So I, I don't want to like talk down on the guy or whatever, but that, that question is very kind of, um, uh, you might be a slayer, right? Just cause he asked the question doesn't mean, you know, right. And I don't think you're talking down on him either because I, that's the last thing that we'd ever want to do. But, you know, I, to, to, to lower your standards just because the season's coming to an end and then using the excuse, oh, I needed meat for the freezer. You can, I can shoot a doe every night I walk out into the woods. You know, there's, you know, granted, I'm, I'm privileged to hunt a wonderful state that has great deer herd, but I could literally shoot a deer every time I walk in the woods and spend an evening in the woods. So if I needed meat that badly, I, it would be a done deal and it wouldn't be an issue, but I, that's not why I hunt. That's not my main priority. I love that chess match. Like I said, and you know, I, I don't settle. I love it. See, I like it. What I like is not the chess match. I like it when that the horns stick out, stick out of the truck bed like this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The last question is what drives you outdoors? What drives me outdoors? The, the, the passion, the, the camaraderie, the mutual. There's nothing I enjoy better than what the last three hours have been with this conversation. Just passionate guys talking about hunting and different strategies and different philosophies and just the great times having that you have in the woods together and new friendships you make because you have similar passions like clay and I, you know, the, it, um, that's what it's all about to me. You know, I just, I, I love it. Clay. How about you, Clay? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> he's, he was he's falling asleep thinking. during your I story. Thought he froze up. I, thought yeah. his, I thought his Wi-Fi froze up. No, he was sleeping. You didn't hear him snoring. <laughs> So, so obvious, other than the obvious, which is I love having my little girls out in the woods with me. That is easily the coolest thing about 
anything that I do when they're hollering and yelling and, 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 you know, and I can keep those videos and, and, and show them to them as they grow up, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it'll turn into them being the shooter. Those are, those are things that are, that are overall driving me, but no joke this year, that bow hunting league is driving me right now. I can see it in your face. I like to win. Like I like to win. And you're losing. And oh, I'm such a loser. <laughs> and it's, it's always so next year. This year's not over yet, but it's pretty damn close. Um, that that level of competition which I'm failing at, like I get that, right? But that level of competition, uh, it's like when I was, when I played pool, I'm a pretty good pool player, like not your average Joe. So. Kind of cocky. It is what it is, right? I'm a pretty good (laughs) pool player. It's not like I learned how to play when I was little, my grandpa's basement kind of pool player. Uh, And, and I, there's tons and tons of people out there better than me. Obviously I, I'm not a professional or anything, but it gets kind of nasty from time to time. I spent 12 hours a day for two years playing pool when I was six years old. How do you do that when you're in school? You I see wake the up addiction comes from. It's, 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 it was wild, right? Every waking moment other than when I was in school. And while I was in school, I was reading books about pool and I'm obsessive about things and right now I don't have that competition and as soon as they had a good light-hearted competition like that bow hunting league that's what's driving me right now or at least it was driving me earlier and now it's just punishing me right <laughs> it's a high heel in the back now of my neck now it's dragging you down the road <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm loving every minute of it because there's other guys that are having the success you know I'm happy for them too so Right. Who knows? I might still be able to to pull myself up above that scrub line. Don't shake your head. You're the one that's going to have oh, to. Oh, sorry. That was my palsy kicking in. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> that's it. That's that's what that's what drives me outdoors, man. These it's been a really cool experience doing that this year, and I had to pick here that Austin switched to a longbow. <laughs> <laughs> right. he did well at it though i'll give him that yeah He's very yeah. very good oh guy. man it's so cool i'm so happy for him amazing well guys thanks for dragging out the night with us it's definitely been fun and uh you know we've been at this for four hours on the actual screen itself and that's not easy so four hours being able to jaw jack and really not run out of anything that kind of tells you what this is all about. I've not yet begun to defile myself. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I, can, I can do this for another six hours. Oh, but. me too. No questions <laughs> yeah. asked. Yeah. So I, I think we'll go ahead and probably wrap this one up. We already got uh, two full episodes out of it. So we'll have to return for three and four. So, so the, t-shirts, the t-shirts from this episode are clown car of Iwegians. <laughs> Right. Stick it in the goods. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, 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 Hawkeye Magwise. <laughs> the little the little Hawkeye shirt on a, a little bitty. What is what's the little furry thing? What was his? Uh, what what I can't remember is I little, 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 little Hawkeye shirt on a gizmo. Hawkeye Magwise. Don't get him wet. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love They'll just it. fucking multiply. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you to those boys again for finding my dear me. Yeah, well, uh, I think we're all a little happy for you on that one. Yeah, for sure. So you guys continue your seasons on. Hope you guys go ahead and knock out a couple that'll uh, put you over that top. I know you do. So it'll happen. Uh, for everyone out there listening, thanks for riding along. I hope you guys have found this as entertaining as we have. Uh, at least I know I've got a kick out of it. These guys are probably like, yeah, let's just shut up already. <laughs> but uh, anyways, let's just close it out. Thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.